Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Kuhn Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Off and rolling. Welcome in on a Monday, January 29, 2024. It's time for the Gabe Kuhn Show. I am your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman, Gabe Kuhn on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That would be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, how was your weekend, brother? Uh, sports-wise, it was Not rough, good. Not good sports-wise. But American Fiction was fantastic. So, okay. you know, good movie weekend. Bad was that Friday weekend. or was that Saturday? No, I had to bump, bump it to Sunday. But to, okay. to be honest, I was happy I bumped it to Sunday because I needed some. After the games I and everything, was uplifting. it a late one? Was yeah, it, late? it was at 420. It was okay. at 420. Oh, okay. No relation. It's like <laughs> coincidence. Yes, I hear you. But American Fiction was your only positive coming out of the weekend? Yeah, I spent some time with Kat. Had a fun weekend. Now let's do a sports show about what you uh, what you didn't like this weekend. Is that fun? It was tough. Yeah. Let's, let's talk the next. We'll get through it. Yeah, but... We have two and a half hours to talk on the way courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. We're going to pass you off to Grizzlies versus Kings on the Grizzlies radio network. Jessica Benson will take over for pregame at 6.30 before they tip off at 7. Tonight's game's kind of funny. I, I have to say, scheduled loss. If you've looked at the injury report, not just all year, but tonight, it's a scheduled loss. Luke Kennard's going to be out. Um, Vince Williams Jr. is questionable. And then you have John Conchar and Zaire Williams, both doubtful to play tonight. So, Jacob Gilliard, here here comes 30-some-odd minutes for him. Um, you just keep going down the list of I'm really guys who will forward. get 30. But David Roddy, 30 minutes. I'm, I'm really looking forward to G.G. Jackson being the latest member of the 70-point club tonight. It's going to be electric when it, when it happens. Yeah. I think I think a 30-point performance could be, shocked, be, could be in the books. Sure. But they're 10-point they're dogs at home to the Kings. Yeah. There's that. They did go one and one over the weekend. They oh, that, did. That's they beat the, the magic. That that's the only real like from my root for my rooting interests. That was the only real win I had over. That's actually why I didn't see American Fiction on Friday night. Was the magic game was so good. I was pretty locked into it, and I was like, I want to see them win this game. Yes, but we're going to open on Championship Sunday, where uh, familiar uh, familiar ending is is what we get. I think Connor and I, as well as a lot of uh, the United States of America. Really wanted to see the Ravens get through the Chiefs, being at home, Lamar Jackson trying to break the narratives of him being bad in the playoffs. He did not break those narratives. Chiefs get over top 17 to 10 
And then uh, the 49ers, even though they were down by a whole lot going into halftime, 24-7, to they come back behind a really gutty Brock Purdy performance to win 34-31. to And the truth of the matter is the two teams that I think most of the United States wanted to win, they just peed down their leg for the most part. Execution was low. Uh, I think offensive plan in that Ravens game was not very good. I thought Lamar played really badly. And then when he had a chance to go uh, put them back into the game, the Ravens back into the game, he throws in a triple coverage and throws a pick. So there's a lot of things to discuss on Championship Sunday. Then we'll ultimately get to, I think, the low point for a lot of people, at least in, in this in this market, that would be Tiger basketball losing to UAB 97-88. to And it wasn't even particularly close as they got into the second half. After a week of harder practices, according to Penny Hardaway, after a week of trying to implement uh, defensive strategies, they completely fall short, give up 97 points yet again. And what has it done to their metrics? What has it done to their tournament hopes? Let's just say if you have that red button, that panic button out, if you have a panic room, Go to that panic room, click that red button, because uh, I don't want to say the sky's falling, but it's pretty damn close to the sky falling uh, and, and sort of uh, crushing this, uh, this Memphis team right this second. There's not a lot of reason to think that they can get it turned around besides the schedule that they're going to see, but we'll talk about all those things at the bottom of this hour. As far as guests are concerned, 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins, per normal, will join Daily Memphian columnist, also the Jeff Calkins show. We'll talk about all these things and more. And then at 6 o'clock, Trevor Lane, for the first time during the NBA basketball season, will join from the front office show with Keith Smith, who we have on the show as well. Um, But he also does a lot of work. He's a host for Lakers Nation, so he has his finger on the pulse of the Lakers, the Western Conference, the NBA at large. Uh, Trip around the NFL at 530, of course, and then at 550 we will hop into a little bit of small talk. But Championship Sunday, let's start with the Chiefs versus the Ravens. 17-10, the Chiefs get over top. And uh, I think the biggest takeaway from this game is that Lamar Jackson did not beat the narratives. He did not show that when push comes to shove, he's going to be a better playoff player than he has been in the past. Um, Only 10 points is all the Ravens could get. Uh, Lamar, I thought, played bad football. Of all the four quarterbacks that played in Championship Sunday, he had the lowest QBR. Um, and I think he ultimately had the worst day at the office. Um, now, the, it's not just Lamar's fault that they did not get through. Um, I thought, you know, just visibly watching that game, Todd Munkin's done a really good job. And, and I, 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 you know, applaud John Harbaugh for this offseason, switching his offensive philosophy, trying to make it more pro-style, less run-based, um, although they still run the ball at a very high clip. Um, I'm, I'm glad he went and hired Todd Munkin because I think it unlocks something that we have not been able to see in Lamar Jackson all this time. He's more of a point guard of that offense. That's what he was during the regular season. Led him to a 13-4 and record and led him to a 34-10 to win over the Texans and the divisional round. But what happened to running the ball? Well, that's where I want to focus a little bit of my attention. I thought it was a very bizarre plan from Todd Munkin from start to finish. You dropped back Lamar Jackson 37 times. You only ran the ball 16. And if you watch that first quarter when I thought this game was going to be a full instant classic, Chiefs go down, they score. Uh, Patrick Mahomes completed 11 of his first 11 passes. He was phenomenal the entire game. But you saw on a fourth down and short, 
Lamar Jackson get a quarterback power. I see his left guard, John Simpson, come around and treat Drew Tranquil like a, a little kid. He completely puts him on his back and cakes him. It goes for about 20 yards. The next play, they run power again with Gus Edwards. It goes for 15 yards. That would be the only rush Gus Edwards got in the first half of that game. He finished with three. Lamar finished with eight. Zay Flowers had two rushes. And then Justice Hill only had three. I just don't really understand what the plan of attack was. I understand the Chiefs defense was second in total defense this entire year. And you have to switch some things up, catch them off guard. But dropping back Lamar Jackson 37 times in the AFC Championship is not a recipe to go win a game. So I think Todd Munkin, as much as you can go after Lamar, as much as you can go after the the effort the defense had in the first half, I thought Todd Munkin really dropped the ball in this game. Yeah, you know, I don't think any of us predicted that Isaiah Pacheco was going to outrush the entire Baltimore team. It was so odd because... In those few rushing plays that they had, they only had 16 total, and some of them were improvised by Lamar. They averaged 5, 5. yards 5.1 per yards per rush. Carry. Why not run the ball more, especially when you weren't getting it done with the passing game? It made absolutely no sense to me. It felt like it felt like they went against everything that got them to that game. Yep. Now, on the bad execution front, there's a, there's one sequence I really want to point out that that completely put the nail in the coffin for the Ravens' chances to go win that game even at home. And it was Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers caught a deep ball. He gets up, pushes the DB off of him, stands over him, flexes, uh, you know, spins the ball, twirls the ball um, on the guy's grave right there. He gets a uh, uh, taunting penalty, sets him back 15 yards. He does get a chance at redemption, and he does not redeem himself. He gets a crossing pattern that he can ultimately put in the end zone. And I want to give credit to Legereus Sneed. It was a great, great play to, to punch the ball out and force the touch back and force the turnover. But Zay Flowers, after that taunting penalty, fumbled the game away, in my opinion. And it just goes to show, you know, the Chiefs were not going to give them extra possessions in that second half. They, they took care of the ball. But the Ravens completely, you know, through fault of their own, lost that game with Zay Flowers fumbling away their chances late to go potentially get back in the game and get over top. And that's frustrating. I think Lamar Jackson, that late decision he made, throwing into triple coverage, throwing the pick, was a response to how pressed he was to go get over top, how pressed they were. There was about six minutes to go. It was going to be hard to go win that game regardless. Um, But he was pressing in that moment uh, because Zay Flowers was not able to get that touchdown. Now, on the other side, uh, Patrick Mahomes – I know we talk about quarterbacks all the time, and Patrick Mahomes is the best doing it right this second. I want to focus on, through six years, (laughs) um, what the sort of tail of the tape looks like between him and Tom Brady. It's good. It's very good. He's outpacing Tom Brady with a 72-22 and regular season record to Tom Brady's 70-24. and His playoff record is now 14-3. and The only two people above him in playoff wins are Joe Montana and Tom Brady, and he's 28 years old. That's nuts. Uh, Playoff record for Tom Brady through six years was 12-2. and AFC titles, Patrick Mahomes has four to Tom Brady's three. Uh, Super Bowl rings, we have to give credit to Tom Brady. He was able to get through every time he won the AFC championship and go win 
the Super Bowl, he has three, two Patrick Mahomes, two. But then it starts to completely, the tail of the tape shifts. Patrick Mahomes, TD to INT, 258-69. to 69. Tom Brady's, 167-87. to 87. And then quarterback rating, it's not particularly close, 103.7 to 88.4. What Patrick Mahomes did in that first half was what legends are made of. Uh, you, you had questions about what they were going to be able to do through the air uh, with Travis Kelsey declining, no Kadarius Tony. He still came out and completed his first 11 passes. He finished the game 30 for 39, 241, 1 TD. And I thought for the most part the Ravens did a good job of neutralizing Isaiah Pacheco, although he runs like he bites people, like people sort of have tweeted out. Um, but Travis Kelsey, 11 catches, 116 yards, and a TD. Rasheed Rice came up in big moments, a couple of third-down conversions, eight catches for 46 yards. Patrick Mahomes and the legend he has made himself. It's second to none at this point in his career. At 28 years old, before he turns 30, to only be trailing Joe Montana and Tom Brady in playoff wins, that is something, that's a pace that I don't know if anybody else after him is going to be able to keep up. The thing that's fascinating about Patrick Mahomes to me is that it feels like he's been in the league for a decade, and he's only been a starter for six seasons. It's crazy what he's been able to accomplish so far. That first half against the Ravens when I was watching it, it is one of the most in control I have ever seen a quarterback in a playoff game. He was moving at his own pace when everybody else was at a different speed. I, it, it was remarkable. I haven't had a feeling watching a quarterback do that since I've been watching Tom Brady. Like He really feels like he is in that type of realm. And when it's all said and done, I think it's far too early to be saying, oh, he's better than Brady and all that stuff. Like Some of those conversations feel I a bit think he, I think he's, they're, they're I think premature. What he, well, he's on the let track. Let me say this. I think what he does on a field, and I've said this for a long time, what he does on a field from a talent perspective and spreading the ball around, being the center of attention, it supersedes what Brady was able to do early in his career. I yeah. don't think it's because it was a different style of ball, first of all. But Patrick Mahomes' ability outside of the pocket, uh, his arm talent, it, it's just it's better than Tom Brady. But when we talk about accomplishments, it's it, he's still got to go. A, yeah, a he's, fair he's still got a ways to go. If you want to talk about pure talent, sure, I'll have that conversation with you. We've had the conversation with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. We we talk about that all the time. But the accolades at some point have to come into you know the conversation. The thing that really stands out to me, though, is it's not just the comparison of Brady to Mahomes. It's Belichick and Andy Reid. It's it's the Chiefs' defense and the Patriots' defenses of the past. It's not having necessarily the best wide receivers, but your Hall of Fame generational quarterback getting it done with them. They, they, there are a lot of parallels to, like, the 08 around that time Patriots to the Chiefs now. Like, th- that's the comparison, I think, that really stands out to me. And what really... Just, I, I think if you're not a fan of the Chiefs and you want to see them lose, it's it gets frustrating to watch. Yeah, because the amount of back-breaking plays he makes in converting on third and fourth down, the throw to Kelsey when it felt like he was bottled up, where he just flicks it out there and Kelsey catches it for a first down, the scramble uh, late in that game on third down to go barely get that first down, just the amount of back-breaking situational football plays he makes. It's unbelievable, and it just leaves the opponent in this in this state of disarray where they can't really recover, where they're just uncomfortable beyond belief. He punches you in the gut like five times a game. Now, through 17 games, postseason games, again, he's 14-3. and three. Um, That's insane. Let's go, let's, <laughs> That's let's, crazy. Let's go through these stats because 17 is the regular number of games we have in a regular season. Tell me if these stats would be good in a regular season. 14-3, and three, of course, 67% completion percentage. 4,802 passing yards, 
458 <laughs> rushing yards, 39 passing TDs to only seven INTs, and then five rushing touchdowns. That's nuts. If that was a regular season, that would be an MVP season. And he's done that all in the playoffs. It blows the MVP seasons out of the water this year. He's done that all in the playoffs before turning 30, before turning 29. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, again, I've always talked about, you know, quarterback versus quarterback uh, discussions in college football and in NFL. It, it, it trivializes or simplifies the game to a point where it doesn't need to be simplified to. But it's hard to ignore what Patrick Mahomes does day-to-day, game-to-game, in the playoffs, in the regular season. It's, it's the, nuts. It's the lack of mistakes. That's the, it's, he just never makes a mistake. It's never a false move. He's always one step ahead of you. It's so much like watching Brady and Manning and the, and the, quarter, the great it's quarterbacks like, it's, in the past. It's, well, it may be not even I, – I, I'd compare it more to Brady in the fact that when he goes into a playoff game, whether he is at home or on the road at this point – this is two road games. He's going to win. Played. Um, whether it's uh, uh, he's an underdog or a favorite, he's going to win that game. That's what you thought about Tom Brady every single time he went out. It's one of the few, because football is such a team sport, because there are so many guys on the field and so many different factors. He's one of the few where it's like, as long as you got him, you can beat anybody on any given day. Yes. Like he's the, he is such an X factor in what he can do on the field. He elevates Everybody around him. And I do want to say, we do need to give a ton of credit, though, this is to the, the defense this is where Andy Reid and Travis This is Kelsey. where I'm headed. I don't know if yesterday should be simply defined as Patrick Mahomes. No, the first half was. Uh, winning the It was the just game. the first half. The second half was They didn't score defense. a point in the second yeah, half. I thought the Ravens, defense. Mike McDonald, after that first half and allowing Patrick Mahomes to get his game off, that it was well, shut off. Yeah. That was done. Mike McDonald uh, got to the drawing board at halftime and had his defense playing at the highest of levels. Um the the Chiefs punted every single time they touched the Hamilton ball. Hamilton was all in over the, the place. Half. Kyle Hamilton might be one of the best players in the NFL right now. All over the field. He he's all pro level guy and uh he plays a bunch of different positions. Strong safety, free safety. You can line him up in the slot. Uh you can have him uh come down in the box as a box safety. He's ridiculous. And he's a great moving chess piece that that Mike McDonald definitely used in that game. But the real MVP of yesterday's game, in my opinion, well, one, we could say Todd Munkin's offensive game plan. That was the MVP for the Chiefs. But Steve Spagnuolo, when we look at the career of, of Steve Spagnuolo, yes, um, as a head coach, he fell short. But when he's been a defensive coordinator at multiple stops with the Giants getting over top of the Patriots team that was 18-0, and uh, with this Chiefs team, um, consistently, you know, up until this year, they have not been a, a, a top five, top ten defense, yet in the playoffs they play up to that potential. They play up to their competition. He brings a lot of blitzes. Um, he, he keeps offenses off balance, and we saw that yesterday. He had that offense for the Ravens off balance. He had Todd Munkin beside himself trying to draw up a game plan. So as much as you want to give credit to Patrick Mahomes, and you should give credit to Patrick Mahomes for what he's been able to accomplish and how he played yesterday, didn't make mistakes with the football, and in the first half he was untouchable, Steve Spagnuolo, when push comes to shove, is arguably the best defensive coordinator in playoff situations that we've seen in the 21st century. Between the Giants and the Chiefs, we just continue to see this track record build for Steve Spagnuolo. Was there something he did? You know, former offensive lineman, you have some insight on this. Was, was there something that he did that scared the Ravens away from running the football so much? Like, there had to have been a reason they just completely went against what they've been doing all season. It was very odd. Well, what, what he consistently—well, I, I think that's on Todd Munkin. 
first. You think so? I, I don't think there's anything in particular that should have kept Todd Munkin from running the ball. They were first in run play percentages here. Right. <laughs> do 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 what's gotten you there. Um, but when it comes to Steve Spagnuolo, the thing that could scare you off of running the ball is the amount of blitzes, run blitzes that he brings at at opposing offenses. That's what could scare you off. You don't want to create havoc plays and get behind the chains with a guy like Lamar Jackson. You don't want to get behind in the game with a guy like Lamar Jackson. That's what could scare teams off and probably what scared Todd Munkin off from running the ball. But I still think it's Todd Munkin getting in his own way. But Steve Spagnolo, the plan, the thought process, everything was there. Um, in that secondary, uh, we don't really know a lot of these guys' names. Uh, I think Trent McDuffie's phenomenal. Uh, Legereus Sneed's phenomenal. We don't really know a lot of these guys' names, but they're sticky in coverage. They make you uncomfortable, and it's just really hard to get open facing that second. That punch out was nuts. Yes, and and they they're timely. They just make plays. So I, I you know as much as I want to give Patrick Mahomes credit for his performance yesterday, the real MVP of that game was Steve Spagnolo. And wh- your fever is high, and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us: trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one. Per- Perfect coworker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. But he drew up on the defensive side of the ball. And I think all this year, where would they be without that defense who was number oh, yeah. two in the NFL the entire year? Where would they be? It's a different, this is a different Chiefs team. Yes, there are some some givens with Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes on the offensive side of the ball, but this has been a defensive-oriented Chiefs team that's getting through this year. We've not been able to say that about them till this point. No, we definitely have not. Rasheed Rice has really turned it up the last few weeks, too. Well, because they've needed him well. to, right? Yeah. They've needed him to. I mean, he finished the regular season with 938 yards, 7 TDs. It's a hell of a rookie season, if you ask me. But they need more. I think, going into next year. They're going to have to rebuild that wide receiver room. But if they can keep some semblance of what this defense looked like this year, oh, my gosh, they can run it back for years to come. Now, Travis Kelsey, we'll see if he retires, what he does with his career going forward. But uh, uh, the way they've rebuilt this team, revamped this team going into this year to get them through to a Super Bowl, it's different than what we've seen. It's different than what we've seen. And Steve Spagnuolo deserves a lot of that credit. Now, on to Lions and 49ers. Damn. Oh, God, man. I had so much hope, Connor. Damn. After that first half, 24 to 7, the Lions sort of ran away with it in the first half. 
and then <laughs> talked about the Ravens peeing down their leg. <laughs> the Lions peed down their leg in the second half, and I, I can't, I can't put it any other way. the The lack of execution after halftime was disgusting. They had a a punt that they could have downed at the one that they ran into the end zone. You have Jameer Gibbs fumbling on first down when they have a chance to go take a two-score lead when the 49ers were trying to rage back. You have Josh Reynolds on a third and ten with a ball right in his breadbasket that he just fumbles around with, got the alligator arms, and he couldn't catch the ball. That was frustrating to watch in the second half. Now, I, I think one thing that has come into question, and I think it's fair to, to have it come into question, is Dan Campbell's sort of philosophy, letting his you-know-whats hang out. He's done that all year. He goes for it on fourth down a lot. He trusts his guys. I want to make it clear before I discuss that. I think when we talk about the reasons the Lions lost that game, what cost the Lions that game, I think it's way down the list. I think uh, the pass that hit uh, Kendall Vildor in the face that Brandon Ayuk caught way downfield that set up a scoring drive, a touchdown drive, for the 49ers is up there. I think uh, Jameer Gibbs fumbling inside the own 25 on first down is up there. Um, I think Josh Reynolds' drop on third and 10 is up there. I think the run play call, and we could go to, we could go, you know, this is on Dan Campbell to a certain extent. The run play call on third and goal at the San Francisco one yard line and having to burn a timeout after that just to kick a field goal and try to get the onside kick, that definitely looms large. I think Dan Campbell's way down the list going forward on fourth down, all the decisions he made. Now, with that, I don't think he should be completely scapegoated, but I also don't think he should be immune to the scrutiny that we've put on it. Yes, I agree that this Lions team, they have this philosophy of we're going to let it all hang out, we're going to trust our players, we're going to go make it happen. But the two times he went for it on fourth down I thought were pretty massive in the fact that, one, you could have gone up by three possessions. Um, and then the second one, you could have tied the ball game uh, with a 40-some-odd yard field goal and with a 27-27 to if you make that field goal. The reason I hold that against Dan Campbell is because in a pressure-packed situation like that in the NFC Championship against a team like the 49ers who have paced this season unbelievably – who have, who have fought against, um, you know, losing a bunch of uh, momentum. They, they, they've seen the ups. They've seen the downs this year. I think you need to change your philosophy. But also, I think the mentality of missing those, not going up by three scores, not tying the ball game, that affects your team massively in pressure-packed situations in the biggest game that the Lions have played in the 21st century. So I don't think he should be completely scapegoated, but at the same time, we cannot sit here and act like those weren't massive swings and momentum in that game on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. You had a chance to go up by three possessions. That definitely alleviates some of the, some of the pressure for your team. And then you have a chance to go tie a ball game. That alleviates some of the pressure on your defense and on your team as a whole. I think Dan Campbell still deserves scrutiny. For, for, for going forward on fourth down and putting his teams in those positions. Yeah, because like I totally understand that the mentality that Dan Campbell has 
is the reason the Lions are here. They are not here without Dan Campbell, no question about it. And I agree with you. It's not the reason they lost the game, but it can be a bit of a gut punch, and it can take the wind out of your sails a little bit. And especially with that last one, like, I've heard a lot of people saying, well, you know, he trusts his guys. He wants to go win it with them. And it's like, well, your field goal kicker is still one of your guys, (laughs) and you could still win the game at the end of that fourth quarter, or if it goes into overtime, you just give yourself more opportunities there. But if you go for it on that fourth down and you don't get it, the game was over. It was like he he ended the game before it needed to be over, I, I suppose. Yeah. And if you missed the field goal there, you missed the field goal. But at least you went for the points, and it made sense there. It's just it felt like it felt like he was pushing back against everybody else in that moment instead of doing what was best for his team. I guess. Yes. Yes. And what's been best for his team is to go for it in moments like that. that that's why I forgive the first one I more think, than I forgive the second. But I think with any type of pressure pack situation like this, when you're in an NFC championship, you don't know when you're going to get there. I think you need to play it safer. Yeah, especially than that. when you're the Lions. <laughs> I think you need to play it safer than that. But ultimately, in the second half, the Lions' drives were drop on fourth down, fumble, three and out, miss fourth down. 49ers went field goal, TD, TD, field goal, TD. In the game, <laughs> you're not going to win a ball game if that's how that uh, that all paces out. And I do want to give credit where credit's due too to Brock Purdy. It's a guy who, early in the season, I thought would be the reason they wouldn't get through. Uh, but he has since then put himself in the MVP conversation, been uh, a you know leader by example, an emotional leader for this 49ers team. And in that second half, after a really bad first half, we don't have to hide it. He threw a pick, and it was just not 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 a half that we've seen Brock Purdy play a lot this year. In that second half, he threw a hundred threw for 150 plus yards, rushed for 45 plus yards. Some of the some of those scrambles were backbreaking. Some of those scrambles were just I mean, if you're the Lions' defense, you feel awful uh, for having given those up. He completed 80 percent of his passes. He averaged 10 plus yards per rush. He had zero turnovers. So. I thought that this would be one game that we go through because it's Jared Goff and Brock Purdy where maybe we won't make this quarterback versus quarterback, but Brock Purdy in that second half put himself in a different stratosphere to come through in that moment with your home crowd down 24 to 7 and put yourself or put your team in a position to to win and get through to the Super Bowl. He's put himself in a different stratosphere. I don't want to I saw, you know, Ryan Clark talk about it on ESPN. Well, he's passed, you know, Justin Herbert, and he's passed Dak Prescott, and he's passed all these guys. I, I'm not ready to say that. But it, when it comes to being cool, calm, collected in the moment, when it comes to a guy that you can rely on to be a starting quarterback franchise guy in the NFL, it's, there's no question about what Brock Purdy's accomplished and what he is at this particular moment. Yeah, you don't have to love Brock Purdy or even be a fan of him to admit that he did what they what he needed to do for them to win. Yes, I know that like 20% of his passing yards or something like that came on that ridiculous bounced-off-the-face-max play, but at the end of the day, it wasn't just that play that won the 49ers the game. When you go back and you watch the game, and something that I noticed, and you just mentioned it, it was how many times he got loose. Like, they had him. The Lions had him multiple times, and he would either the third down conversion on the sideline. That was was crazy when he got out. It's just he had so many moments where the Lions it felt like they were about to get a big momentum swing, and he would break three and uh, break free and have that big run or have that pass to Kittle. He just extended the plays. He made mistakes in the first half, but in the second half, 
He did everything that you needed him to. Everything. And you just don't expect a year-two quarterback who was Mr. Irrelevant in his first year of starting to be able to accomplish things like that in that type of pressure pack moment. And Brock Purdy did it, and he came through. So shout-out to him. Now it sets up a Super Bowl in two weeks where we're going to have Chiefs versus 49ers. Ew. And the Chiefs for the third straight game in the playoffs will be an underdog. I don't know how you don't take the Chiefs in this game. I, I would absolutely I, I take the Chiefs. I, I would absolutely take you, the Chiefs. I don't know how you bet against Patrick Mahomes. When you think about what this this Chiefs run will potentially be, um, it's stupid. If, if they do get through. They came in from a not very preferential spot to the playoffs. They had to play a Super Wild Card weekend. That's what I mean. They're, they're used to being a one seed and playing at home all the time. But they have won a home game against the Dolphins, who was the best offense in the NFL. They won a road game against the Bills, who are the number two seed uh, in the AFC. And Patrick Mahomes and their first time in the Patrick Mahomes era being on the road. They beat the Ravens with the MVP on the road as an underdog. And then if they get through the 49ers, like Dolphins, Bills, Ravens, 49ers, all wins leading to a Super Bowl, this might be their most impressive run. And especially when you consider the Chiefs and sort of what their roster is at this point. It's not what it once was. There's no Tyreek Hills out there. Uh, You don't have a bunch of stars on the defensive side of the ball outside of Chris Jones, yet they play at the highest of levers. Levels. Travis Kelsey has completely. He's he's a little bit regressed. Although he showed up, turned back the clock in that in that AFC Championship game. And your leading receiver is Rasheed Rice. This will be their most impressive run, and I don't know if there's really a, a close second. Yeah, it's extremely impressive. I, I'm glad that it really feels like this year Andy Reid has gotten the respect that he deserves. Like everybody's been like, yeah, this is one of his best coaching jobs ever because he is truly one of the all-time greats. It's just, it's nuts what he is able to do year after year. And it's, it's certainly their least talented team and they are still in the Super Bowl. I told and it you just before. blows my mind. You know what really blows my mind, Connor, more than anything is I've watched, I watched that offense trip over themselves through yeah. 17 weeks. They had some highs. Don't get it twisted. Like, they had some good games offensively. But I watched them trip over themselves and let the defense pace the entire year, leading them to 11-6. and six. They get into the playoffs, and that offense just shows up when they're asked to show up. They make the plays when they're supposed to make the plays. Very few mistakes. That's, it's that simple. But I watched them the entire year just not be a great unit, all in all. Patrick Mahomes' worst statistical year. You get into the playoffs, he performs, Travis Kelsey performs, Rasheed Rice performs, that offensive line performs, Isaiah Pacheco performs, Andy Reid's calling good games. (laughs) When they are asked to make plays in the biggest of moments, they do it time and time again. So back to the original conversation, I don't know how you bet anybody besides the Chiefs in the Super Bowl coming up. I told you before the show, yesterday – you know, all of us had the hope that this was going to be a Lions-Ravens Super Bowl. It felt like we were watching A New Hope, like Star Wars A New right. Hope. Turns out we were watching Rogue One where everybody dies by the, <laughs> yes. by the, by the, the evil, Death Star at the end. The evil, the, the, the evil Empire and the Chiefs, they're the new evil Empire. Yeah. We were hugging on the beach as our planet got blown up last night. The, uh. the new evil Empire gets through again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that sets up, though, a new hope for next season. Yeah. Are they, what do you think about the Chiefs and their likability? I, I know that any team that wins a lot, I um, think this people, year, people start to start to hate them. But so, I, I think the, the likability factor is going a little bit It's down. weird. So during the regular season, I thought they were a bunch of babies with how much they were complaining and all that stuff. It felt the, like the offsides. Yeah, it, by just, it felt like things were just beginning to get a little Warriors esque. 
yes. with them. I don't know why. Watching the game yesterday, I was like, oh, crap. Am I rooting for the Chiefs? I was yeah. like, I don't know what happened. It was – and I find it a bit ridiculous Dude. how much underdog talk they are getting because they are the Kansas they City Chiefs. They have been the underdog. They're they going to be underdog in three straight games. I think it's just – I am so impressed by what Patrick Mahomes is able to do with this team that I can't help but kind of root for him. And I don't know. The, the 49ers are just – it feels gross. I don't know. I, this is, I don't want to pick either team to root for, but if I was forced to, for some reason, I think I'm leaning Chiefs. I don't know why. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think maybe it's the I, legacy I, I did, of the I, You know what I didn't like, though? The Justin Tucker's trying to warm up. And I I don't know yeah, that was uh, the, the what happened. I, maybe Justin Tucker didn't need to be that close to the goal line right in Patrick Mahomes' way, but kicking the – T out of the way, throwing the ball. God, it Travis felt Kelsey like, and him. Didn't it feel like we were getting set up, though, for a Justin Tucker game-winning field goal? It did. It did for a second, but no. That's, uh, that's not how that worked out. That is not how that worked out. I don't know. At all. But I don't, I mean. My I, uncle's a 49ers. There, there was a moment, though, through these six years, you know, at the beginning of this whole thing, where they were probably the most likable, you know, champion or dynasty that could be in the making. I think that that is sort of dissipated to a certain extent. The Chiefs? Yeah. Yeah, no. They're not as likable as, no, as I thought not they'd likable. be at this point. <laughs> they aren't likable, but yes. if you have to pick, I don't know. I guess the 49ers haven't won one. And then also, should, Maybe can we, can we admit this? It was always going to be Taylor Swift showing up at the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. This is, this, is how, this, is, this is how it had to end, right? If you're the NFL, this is how it had to end. I, I can't lie. I enjoy the cuts to her because she's, I like that she's into the game. She seems to be truly into it. She freaks out every time you're supposed to freak out. She's a real football fan. Well, I like it. Well, yeah, she had to grow into it. I, I, I oh, also, so I just, all, all of us did. I, I don't, I don't get all of the people. Well, I, it's a I, fun dynamic. I to know add to why the game. they get. I know why they get pissed off because they, oh, it's five <laughs> football. I'm a football purist. Blah blah blah. I don't want to see Taylor Swift every time Travis Kelsey catches a ball or every time the Chiefs score. But it doesn't do any. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Listen, when doesn't. he when he's catching. Passes like he did yesterday and breaking Jerry Rice's record. You can show her as many times as you want. That's nuts. I did need some Jason. 153 receptions I did in the playoffs. Shirtless Jason Rice. Kelsey, though. I wanted more shirtless Jason Kelsey. Yeah, I need more of that. In my he life. had a he had a weird like Hawaiian shirt on. Sort of he got that out of Andy Reid's closet, didn't he? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of seemed like it. Now we need to go ahead and transition. Um, and this weekend was tough for a lot of Tiger basketball fans um, because third straight loss. After a week of preparation where you thought that this defense would right their wrongs, but they give up 97 and lose 97 to 88 on the road to UAB yesterday. And um, when we talk about pushing the panic button, being panicked about where this team is at, I think it's very fair. It's very fair to be panicked about what you think could happen in their near future, what their metrics look like, what their tournament chances are. It's all flipped on its head in two weeks, so we'll talk about that next. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Tiger basketball had a chance at a get-right game on the road on ESPN National TV, 4 p.m. against UAB, and they did not get right. They did not. I think it was their worst performance of the year, quite frankly. They now dropped to 15-5. and They're 4-3 in conference. UAB was coming off a loss against Charlotte, and the Tigers end up losing 97-88, to marking their third straight loss. And in two weeks, what really just... 
nags me, bothers me about this team. We've gone from talking about a top 10 team in the country and a fairly ranked top 10 team in the country after what they did in the non-con to talking about the sixth place team in the AAC. And what are they right now? They are the sixth place team in the AAC. I don't see the semblance of the top 10 team that we knew and loved two weeks ago. And what really got them? What what made them lose this game? I'll talk about defense in a second. But largely, 22 turnovers. 22 turnovers. That led to UAB having 26 points off those turnovers. Also, when you talk about effort, intensity, limiting second chances, they were not able to do that. UAB had 23 second chance points in this game. And all of the issues that we've seen in these past in the two games previous to UAB leading into the third game all of them are the exact same. We talk about the chemistry issues, we'll talk about all that, but the hero ball continues on the floor, on court. They had 14 assists to 22 turnovers. David Jones had 24 points and I saw him today on an on three list. He's number 5 according to this on three list. Um to to win national player of the year. He had 24 points. And I love what he does consistently. Uh, the scoring punch he brings. But he's starting to sort of revert back to St. John's, it's David Jones. He had nine turnovers in that game. Way too much hero ball, not enough offensive sets drawn up. They don't have somebody orchestrating. They don't have somebody who can really take it by the horns and get everybody on the same page. And then you talk about the top of this team and, and who you need to rely upon. Those two players all year have been David Jones and Javon Quinterly, right? Like there's no, there's no other players that you'd really um, put at the top of that list or put over those two guys. In this game, David Jones and Javon Quinterly <laughs> combined for 13 turnovers, and they were combined minus 26 when they were on the floor. I don't know how you win ball games when the guys you're relying upon and Javon Quinterly and David Jones are playing that poorly. Not showing up in, in a moment where you need them to show up. And the chemistry issues remain. And the defense is not fixed. And, and let's talk about the defense. They had a week to prepare. They had a different practice philosophy, according to Penny Hardaway. You force 21 turnovers, and you still give up 97 points. And what does it come down to, in my opinion? I think it's effort and want to and pulling in the same direction. And I think chemistry and defense go hand-in-hand hand with this team. First half, what I witnessed, it didn't go well, right? It did not go well. They gave up what? Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Tacovas is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. 45 points, they were down 45 44 at half. But what I did see. And I want, I, I want to get your opinion on this, Connor. I saw effort and I saw want to. I saw a team making a point, at least early in that first half, to close out, to rotate, to do what they were taught. Then, as that first half wore on, and as they struggled at the end of it, and then you got into the second half, this team and the players on it saw that all of this preparation, all of the defensive strategy, everything that they had practiced all week was not working out. And then when UAB built a lead, they completely let go of the rope. And they stopped caring and they stopped having faith in what they were being taught. And Malcolm Dandridge, who, by the way, was the only player to speak to the media yesterday. All the other players denied speaking with the media. Malcolm Dandridge only got on a phone call with uh, Jason Munns and with Parth Upadhyay, the beat reporters. Um, They just, you know... Malcolm mentioned they lost faith, and you could see it. In that second half, when I really started to notice where this was trending, was when they had a made bucket, made basket, and they're trying to come up to press, but they were all out of sorts. It leads to an inbounds pass directly to a UAB player who goes down on the other end and dunks the ball completely free point. They didn't get back on defense. And I just I, – I don't know what – happens from here. You've pushed some buttons that seemingly should have gotten this thing righted in the past two weeks. Penny Hardaway switches his practice philosophy. Um, you, you have the guys at least owning up to their mistakes. You have Penny Hardaway owning up to his mistakes. But at the end of the day, none of that actually worked. And Penny Hardaway, after the game, basically said, that you know the teams I've always coached, I've always been able to reach them. I just haven't been able to say the right words to this team yet. And if you want any you know semblance of hope going forward, listening to Penny post game, listening to these players post game, it's not going to give you that. 
It was one of the most disappointing efforts I've seen from Memphis Tigers basketball team in a long time. Um, You absolutely nailed it. The beginning of that first half, it felt like they were starting to get back to to their old selves a bit. But then one or two things would happen, and you would see one or two guys decide to take a playoff. And then another guy would decide to take a playoff. And that's where the team chemistry issues become very apparent, and you can see them when you're watching the game. If one guy makes a mistake, it's like the rest of the team just gives up on it him It leads to more mistakes. Yes, and it just leads to more mistakes. And then it leads to five guys watching Eric Gaines break away on a, on a fast-break dunk and not even a single Tiger is around him. And then you see Penny Hardaway get dejected, and then it's over. Yes. It's a wrap. That's, that's where people and, talk about team chemistry, Connor. I, I think it's leadership, too. And that starts at the top. Uh, first of all, I want to laugh for a second at the Penny in-game interview, the sideline interview. <laughs> not a good fit. No, <laughs> not, not a, a good hey, fit for that. Hey, yeah, let's have some awareness. <laughs> but, but to your point, not, that's not Penny's fault. I'm not saying it's Penny's fault. It's the production. Let's yes. have some awareness. I mean, every time they tried to ask him a question, he just called out another order to his team. <laughs> he didn't ask a single question that they that they posed. I think he forgot answer, he was on mine. Answer a single question. But that they he was posed. in the middle of a game. But I think what it did. It allowed us to get an up-close, personal look at Penny. If you're not in the first five rows at every home game, you don't really get to see Penny in that mode when things start to go bad. And things were going bad when he was doing the in-game interview. You saw him wear his emotions on his sleeve when things started to spiral out of control. Javon Quinterly turning the ball over, David Jones turning the ball over, UAB knocking in some threes. You see him get dejected. You see him just sort of put his his face in his hands. You see him start to wear those emotions on the sleeve. And I think when it comes to leadership, that's not a good way to set your emotional sort of ticker. I think there was an emotional follow the leader yesterday, and Penny is the only guy at the top that these guys seem to follow. And that gets me to Caleb Mills. They're 3-3 three and three since Caleb Mills has been out. Um, they're averaging 83 point per, points per game allowed. Now, that's on-the-court stuff. But it's very clear to me they have no one to get in everyone's ear. And I've been saying this, but part of me feels for Penny Hardaway and the fact that Penny, as a head coach, cannot be the only one trying to communicate these things and right these wrongs. You need a player leader, and they're clearly, in the biggest of ways, missing that. Yesterday, when things start to spiral out of control and they let go of the rope with their defensive strategy and they start to lose faith, you need a guy like Caleb Mills to say, guys, keep doing what we're taught, keep doing the things that we've been preaching in practice, let's keep our foot on the gas with these things. They didn't have anyone to do that yesterday. And that's what you saw in that second half when everything went to complete an, an, an utter disaster. It's just, it's, it's really confusing watching the game because two weeks ago, you know, we were really worried about the, the late game, how close they were against Inferior. But they, they were winning those games. They were bending but not breaking. It's almost as if, like, when they finally broke, everything just came out. And they can't put back together the pieces. And I'm not quite sure why. Because Caleb Mills is extremely important, especially defensively, especially as a leader. He can't be that big of a missing piece, though. Like, that's what's so confusing when you're watching this game. They still have the talent. They still have the personnel to get it done. 
But when you're watching them, it comes down to effort and trust. And it just seems like that they are not giving full effort and they do Don't not trust, trust each, each other. other. Now, and here's the thing, Connor. I mean, I... I don't have a hard time believing the reasons that they don't trust each other. They don't know each other very, very, very well. You had guys that were late to getting into preseason camp, like David Jones was a guy who was late to preseason camp because of the Dominican Republic and the national team uh, influence and what he was doing this offseason. Um, I mean, for God's sakes, you have Naquan Tomlin coming in for Jordan Brown because he steps away from the team. Jordan Brown returns. They probably met each other last week, right? And they played meaningful minutes on the floor at the same time yesterday. It's a mix of maybe they don't like each other, they have personality clashes, but I think largely you have those two things because they don't know one another well enough, and that's the risk you always ran. And it's just strange to me that it took this long in the season for those things to get exposed. Well, yes. I think a few things have happened, though. The Tomlin thing has not been as big of a hit as we had hoped. He cannot stop fouling people. It's kind of, it's it's crazy. He's got to stop fouling people. you got to stay on the court. He's a really talented guy, but he cannot stay on the court. He had five fouls again yesterday. It, that's not gonna. It's not gonna do anything. But I think the relaxed nature of the conference schedule it trapped him because I think when you had the non-con, every single game felt like big time. Yes, big time game, prime time. You win this, you get into the rankings. There was something to lose. There was something to win, and it was almost like it automatically elevated all of their effort, and it forced them to trust each other because it was just such when now we have to take care of business in the non-con. And then when they got to the conference, it's like they just relaxed. It, you could just, it's like the team just relaxed a little bit, and all the little issues that they had started bubbling to the top. And then Caleb Mills went out, and it just exploded. Yes, yes. Now, when you're looking at quotes for after the game, none of them were positive. I don't think there was a single positive quote made by Malcolm Dandridge or Penny because they were the only ones who spoke to the media because all the players outside of Malcolm decided that they were not going to talk to the media. But Malcolm said, uh, on top of they lost faith in the defensive plan late in that game, he said, we don't have enough dogs on the floor right now. Um, I, I, I have no way of um, knowing that, but the fact that they've lost three straight games and it seems like there's just an emotional low in that locker room, it feels that way. You can't be affected um, every game that you go out and lose. You have to get back to the drawing board, understand what you need to get fixed, and go fix it. And then Penny got up there. Um, he was sort of asked about what he saw from his team after the game. He said just a bunch of blank faces were in the locker room. He went on to say, we have to stop making excuses. I have to be a better co- uh, I have to coach better, and they have to play harder. And then this is, this is the one that, that really is not going to – um, give you a whole bunch of positive feelings about where this team could head. Penny was basically asked, do you see the team starting to feel like enough is enough? This was posed by Jason Munz. He asked, do you feel like these guys are tired of the way these things are going, the way that this season is trending? And his quote was, nope, not today. Not today, I didn't see it. So he's basically saying these players, as much as this – season has been flipped on its head again going from AP top 10 just two weeks ago to sixth in the AAC the American Athletic Conference he says he doesn't know if these guys are actually going to flip that switch <laughs> I, I, there's no way to there's no way to look positively on that ultimately if you are pushing the panic button it's fine to push the panic button based on where this team should be what the expectation was to get out of that 8-9 game 
they're right back in it, and they don't have a bunch of opportunities to get back out of it. You're on the bubble again. And uh, let's get to their metrics real quick. AP poll, completely unranked. Gone. Ceased to exist in the AP poll. Their Ken Palm, 61st. Their Net, 66th. Their Bart Torvik, 78th. Sheesh. And in the Bart Torvik, he does um, a percentage, a chance, that the said team is going to make the tournament. It has fallen from nearly 100% two weeks ago. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.